Hi, I'm Hannah, and I'm just going to do our readings today. So from John 13, 34 to 35, <clears throat> Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Then from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And finally from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 into chapter 5 verse 2. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. And in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thank you. Let's pray. Our loving God, would you take these words and plant them in our hearts and help me to speak your truth today. Amen. Well, what kind of household do you live in? And how do you feel about it? This week I looked through our database and noticed all the variations of households in our community. Some of us live alone. Some of us live alone with a pet for a companion. Uh, some people here live in share houses and in those households there is a varying degree of um, commitment and longevity. Some households come together uh, sort of for convenience and are short-lived and others are longer term. And there are people here who aspire to build households of friends who are committed to each other. And Andrea and Anthea have actually just passed 25 years of um, living in the same household and doing life together. That's inspirational, I think. Many of our households we might describe as family households, 
But these are also really varied. We have uh, couples with no children. We have solo parents with kids. We have uh, two-parent households with kids. And in all those households, the kids uh, vary in age from babies to school age up to our household with young adults. Um, it's very different, all of our households. And I want you to think about the fact that in your lifetime, you're actually going to experience a whole lot of different kinds of households. Uh, when I go across the road to the Brotherhood each week, um, often I'll talk to someone who is quite surprised to find at the end of their life that they're living in a large community of older people. Sometimes we'll love our household and we'll be there a long time. Sometimes it will be a short time and we'll find it quite frustrating. But wherever we find ourselves right now, Jesus is calling us to be his distinctive people of self-giving love in our various households and in here to members of the church. Because for Christians, these two households, our earthly variety and our spiritual home in the church, overlap and interrelate. And we need to think about these callings, and I've chosen the readings today to do this, as something that is a kind of high ideal and aspiration, and also something that takes daily work and can be really messy and difficult. The Bible is actually a pretty domestic book. Surprisingly, the book that tells us about the Lord of the universe also tells us a lot about how to live with one another. And in the Old Testament, there are lots of laws that describe households and how to relate to family and neighbours. And when you get to the Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus sums it up like this. He says, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you're to love your neighbours as yourself. But then when you get to John chapter 13, our first reading, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says he's giving his disciples a new command. And he says, you must love one another as I have loved you. And when you do this, other people will know that you are my disciples. Now, when Jesus speaks his words, he and his disciples have been living side by side for a few years. All of them, including Jesus, left behind regular work and fixed addresses and became a kind of travelling household. They'd been through a lot together. They'd got annoyed with each other. They'd asked stupid questions. They probably laughed at each other's dumb jokes. They'd formed patterns of daily life. They were close. But here, in chapter 13, Jesus is indicating that a change is on the horizon. He's actually about to leave their travelling household. And the next thing he goes on to say in chapter 14 is, I'm going away to prepare a place for you in my father's house. And I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. This is one way that Jesus describes what's going to happen through his death and resurrection. He's going to open a door to us to his eternal home. I've got permission from Claudia to tell you this, that when she was a, a tiny girl, I read her that passage about Jesus uh, going to prepare a place. And I said, how do you imagine it looks? And she said, well, it's a very big house. But I think it's quite plain, and what I can see is Jesus making all the beds for us. And I wanted to share that image because it's really stuck with me. And when we think about what it looks like to love one another as Jesus loves us, maybe you could imagine Jesus making the bed for you in the house that he's going to welcome you in. 
If you're someone who's wondering what it means to follow Jesus, this is it. It means to trust in him for the security of an eternal home and to become part of his family even now. I think this is a great comfort when worldly dreams for the perfect family or home disappoint us. And if you've never accepted Jesus' invitation, I really want you to think about doing that today or soon. Our calling to the household is first and foremost and forevermore a calling to belong to God's household. And secondly, to live now extending the love of Christ to our particular earthly families and housemates in the homes that we share with them. Jesus is suggesting here that to love one another as he uh, has loved us is not quite the same as loving your neighbour as you love yourself. It's new, he says. It is the same in that in both cases you're supposed to put the interests of the other person before your own. But uh, here we're invited to exercise a kind of familial love, the brotherly, sisterly love that Jesus has for us when we belong to him. And this is what we're invited to do day in and day out in our households and here in the church. Now, most people don't need to be told to love their family and their close friends. They think it's a no-brainer. But actually, this is a really good command because it guards us from having an inauthentic faith. Sometimes uh, Christians become so preoccupied with how everyone else sees them, and this happens in Christian ministry often, that they start to neglect the people that they're close to, the people that they should really love and look after day-to-day under their roof. And it's always really sad, isn't it, when we discover that someone uh, with a great public face is actually selfish or neglectful or a bully behind closed doors. It's never okay. And we can't justify it with the Bible. Jesus calls us, practice my self-giving love, especially for those you are with day in and day out. So let me just ask you for a moment to think about the household you live in. And even this church community, this big household of God. And think about who you are here and there, and how you operate. And ask yourself, uh, what are the advantages that I have over other people? Am I older, stronger, smarter, somehow more powerful or financially well-off or healthier than others? And then when you think about those advantages, think about this, to love other people as Jesus has loved you will be to take those advantages and create benefits for other people with them. To make the beds, as Jesus does for us. The Lord of the universe, who made all things and came to earth to be among us, dies for us to welcome us home. He gives it all up to love and serve us, and this is what we're invited to do with one another. Even for the smallest ones in our homes and in our church, to let them be seen and heard and give one another space to grow and flourish. And that passage from Acts chapter 2 shows us that the early church really got this, I think. They understood that their individual households also were connected to the one household of God. They lived out this to the point that the walls of their earthly home started to crumble. I don't mean literally, I mean metaphorically. That is, that their homes, they shared everything. Look, they, they sold property, 
They made sure that people had enough. There's a lot of personal sacrifice going on. They made a practice of eating together in the name of Jesus and worshipped in the temple. They look after one another like family. They lived out this high ideal. At the end of the passage it says, and many were added to their number. As Jesus said, when you do this, people will know that you're my disciples and they'll be drawn to, your, to my family. So the early church grew as they demonstrated Jesus' love for one another. And this is all um, a bit alien to our culture, isn't it, in the Western 21st century? Because home ownership and creating a nuclear family have long been presented as the ultimate life goals. They've become a kind of sneaky, wholesome-looking idol in the church, I think, too. And if you put Jesus against that standard, you'll see him as a total failure. And on top of all this, we've just spent the last two years turning our homes into fortresses. Our walls are thick and strong. We've tried to keep the virus out, but we've been separated from one another in our neighbourhoods as well. It's actually really hard to imagine, isn't it, what it would look like to live like that early church. And I'm not suggesting we have to aim to be a kind of replica of that. But we will need wisdom, and I think we need to ask ourselves at this point, what is it going to look like to go back to having households with flexible, porous walls in this context, as we keep trying to work out what it looks like to live with COVID? How will we live out this call to love our brothers and sisters in the household of God, as well as those under our roofs? How will we get that overlap again? It will take time and a lot of grace, but I think already I can see that we have a kind of spiritual muscle memory, if that makes sense. You know, when you go back to exercise and you realise your body can do it again. I can see us flexing our spiritual muscle memory already. Hamish says, I can use this example, that he recently had his appendix out and afterwards people from church in the neighbourhood um, looked out for him, brought him meals and remembered to check in on him. That is what it looks like, doesn't it? The flexible walls between brothers and sisters. The Sunday picnics we've been having have been growing. We had a huge one last week. And it's just good to simply eat together again and to really listen to what's going on in each other's life. It's been hard to offer that kind of time and emotional support to one another I know that for some households, it's still wise to be separate, and there are people on the live stream watching today. But even so, if you miss someone, or if you're here and you notice someone is absent, sometimes people are saying, I haven't seen so-and-so. Why don't you flex that muscle and connect with them? Let's connect this household of God, our individual households, into one family again. When we send out people to Fairfield in a couple of months, we're going to suddenly have two smaller congregations. And they may actually have more of a family feel, and we should lean into that. Okay, that's a positive. Build together the sense of being God's household. Well, picnics and families is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, but loving one another like Jesus is also challenging, and not just because of COVID. In that last uh, Bible reading in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says that this is hard because we're so used to being selfish. 
He says, you need to take off that old self from before you knew Jesus and put on the new self of self-giving love. And he says it's going to look like this. It'll look like speaking the truth in love to one another. It will look like dealing with conflict as it happens, not letting anger or resentments build. And it will look like working honestly to contribute to the running of things. And the thing I love about this part of um, Ephesians is that he's assuming we're going to get angry (laughs) in our homes and with one another in the church. It's a given. If we set out to love one another, what we're going to keep finding is the old patterns get in the way. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, though, he says. Or in your anger, do not sin. In the homes that we live in, if we live with others, our close relationships are are really close, aren't they? And this is probably where we experience it the most. What are the things that cause the most tension in your household? Is it money? Is it uh, working out how to share responsibilities? Is it taking one another for granted? Is it you can fill in the dots because maybe something's popped in your head, yeah? There are always things that we're, we're working about, out with each other. We all have different tastes and opinions and capacities and sometimes we're lazy and you've got to put up with another lazy person and we hurt each other's feelings. And sometimes when things are really hard, what we find is that we want to hold on to the anger because really what that person did was really bad. And to just forgive them, and I'm just going to hold it a little bit closer. Do you know what I mean? This is what Paul is talking about. This is what he knows happens. We just want to let it grow a bit. We don't want to let it go. But it's dangerous, Paul says. It's dangerous because when we do that, when we don't act and move towards forgiveness, we give the devil a foothold. And that is, we make the door open and invite the devil into our homes. And the reason that's such a huge problem, which he says later in the passage, is because the Holy Spirit is meant to live in our homes. The Holy Spirit is meant to live in this household and in the homes that we live in together and in our hearts, within us. We are actually also a home for God. And so whenever we're tempted to do the old way instead of seeking love and forgiveness and reconciliation, we are doing something spiritually dangerous, he wants us to see. So if you find that you can't forgive someone, then you need to talk with them about it. And if you need help to do that, then ask someone to help, a friend or someone, a counsellor who can help you. It's awkward and hard to speak the truth in love. But being quiet is not the answer. At the end of the day, forgiveness and restoration are the best gifts that we can give to one another and the best dynamic in our household. Every couple of years, we have the marriage course here. And the first time we ran it, Rob and I ran the course together and we came to the week where you have to do conflict resolution. And you have to bring up an issue that you've been hiding in your heart (laughs) and talk about it. And we were both really surprised at what we talked about. The thing is, I can't remember the thing I told Rob because once I let it go, it was gone and I could forgive him. 
I think I remember the thing he told me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Hopefully you've forgotten it. You know, we try and we actually have to be active in learning how to love one another and see that it's difficult work. It doesn't come easy. And I recently listened to a podcast where there was um, a celibate man who lives on his own and said, I wish we could do the marriage course. You know, everybody needs to do the, this stuff, not just married people. And I think that's a good idea, and I'm just flagging it today, that it would be good if everybody learned how to do, how to, to let go of anger and forgive one another and have tricky conversations in, the house, in this household. Well, Paul finishes this bit of wrestling. I haven't done all of it, and there might be things that you, you know, grab you more in that passage than the stuff about anger and speaking the truth. But he finishes all those words... Uh, by lifting our eyes again to Jesus, giving us the inspiration to go on and do this. He says at chapter 5, Be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ God forgave you. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is, this is who we follow. This is what we've received. This is how we are to um, aspire to love one another. So may the love of Jesus and the promise of his eternal home inspire each one of us to be generous and forgiving in our households and to draw others in also to receive his kindness. Amen.